Hey. What's up, Brett? What's happening? It's it's awesome to talk to you. It's awesome to talk to you, man. It's blessed. I'm really excited about this. I've been No, I've been... as am I. I got all sorts of questions. I'm gonna but let, let me introduce myself to to, to, to your fans. I, I'm Brett Barish. I own a whole bunch of brands, Bel Air, Bamboo, McQueen, Vion. I hear Sako, I hear you're a fan of Bel Air. I am. I'm a very big fan of Bel Air. Actually, um, I'm a big fan of Rick Ross and and you know, as soon as he introduced I, I kind of got introduced to the, to the brand through him, and 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 it's been over since then. I've been buying the products, at, drinking it at the parties. I'm I'm you know I've always been a champagne drinker. I've always liked sparkling wine, and and so I'm I'm not I'm not that hard liquor kind of guy so much, you know. Unless I oh, really want to. Don't worry, we'll, we'll 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 get you on that side too. Don't worry. Unless this time you cut me off. Unless unless I want to like forget about everything and you know what happens and. Certain places stays in certain places. Oh, I, I feel you. I feel yeah. you. Don't worry. We got something for that, too. We got something yeah, for yeah. that, too. <laughs> but I, I, so so I get to do this, which we call self-made. And I've interviewed everybody from Ross to Nipsey to Post Malone to Russ. Um, I, I, saw, I saw that Ross interview, too. I'm a big fan of everybody you, you've done, man. Oh, it's, so it's, it's it's real exciting. It's real exciting for me right now to be to be on live with you right now. Oh, I appreciate that. But I start off the same way, and I ask everybody the same thing to start. Uh, Sago, what does what does self made mean to you? Um, self made is really like self made really means to to me of of my whole life. It, it represents my life because I am self made. I am self made. Nobody in the world has ever helped me out. Like, nobody gave me that. I didn't have a father with money. I didn't have a, you know, I had to do that when I was, when I was 14, 15. I found out in my neighborhood there was a recording studio. I knocked on the door. I was like, I want to work here. They didn't let me in for two weeks. I, I, after school, I went to the recording studio every day, and, and I sat in front of the door until they let me in. The, the boss came, the owner of the building. He's like, man, you're still here? I said, yeah. His name was Brad Schmidt. And he's like, you know how to paint? And I was like, yeah, I, I didn't know how to paint. He gave me a bucket of paint and a, and, a, and a brush, and he told me to paint this room. And then I was painting this room, and then this guy came, and he was carrying his records, his DJ crates and stuff, and I helped him out. And, and he introduced himself. He's like, my name is Max. And I was like, hey, I'm Sako. And I helped him, and I went to Yoshinoa, and I bought myself something to eat, and I can never eat alone. I cannot eat alone. It won't go down my throat. So I bought him one, too. And he was having a rough time in his career. And he was, he had just, he had just banked, pulled out a loan on his house and banked it all on Adina Howard. Remember that freak song, I Need a Freak yeah. in the Month? Yeah. Yep. So, and then, and then when that single popped off and it was a big hit, he banked everything he owned on her record and the record flopped. Anyway, so I helped him out. We started a good friendship, this, that. And then he just disappeared, right? And then like a year later, I'm watching Kurt Loder on MTV News. And they were like, hey, Tommy Mottola stepped down from Sony and the new urban vice president of Sony is Max Goose. And I'm looking at him like, what the hell? <laughs> it was that guy that I helped him paint his office and I bought Yoshinoa from. So it's like, I really believe in karma, what you do, you receive, you know? And, and even if you're doing, you shouldn't ex expect to receive. Like, you know, that's what self-made means to me. Like, do it so all, all on you. So where where does let, let's start from the age of fourteen? Um, was music your thing, and that's why the studio spoke to you? 
music was my thing. I didn't want to do anything else. I was begging my dad. I'm like, don't let me go to school and, and torture myself, learn about the French Revolution when I don't really don't care about what horse Napoleon rode to France with. Whatever I need, I can search it one day if I need what, to know What was his answer. response to that? And he was like, well, what do you want to do? I said, music. And, and then that's when he, uh, he was kind of lenient and he was kind of more, he gave me freedom to do what I want, to come home late at night. He came, he saw the studio. And then, and then uh, shout out to Steve Lobel. Steve Lobel was, uh, was uh, doing Crazy Bone and, and they, had just, they had just started doing solo projects after Easy Die. And Steve gave me a chance to produce some records for Crazy Bone at a very young age. I was like 16. Oh. <laughs> I was like 16, yeah, I have credit, I have plaques, you know, and, and so I'm working with Bone, and, and, and back then, like, weed was really a big thing, right, so uh, Crazy Bone had a bag of weed all the time, and they used to forget it in the studio, so I would take it home with me to bring it back the next day, and my dad would be like, what the hell is this, you know, this, and I don't have to explain to him, yo, it's, it's the Bone weed, it ain't mine, dad, I don't get high. You know, so like, is that I, is that what you call bringing work home? Bringing work home, yeah. I was That's bringing bring, work home. It is so. What were you listening to back then? What at fourteen caught you that made you made you love the space? I wanted to be Tupac. I yeah. wanted to be Pac so bad, and and you know I was fortunate enough to see him in the studio too with the Outlaws, um, like three months before his passing. And then, and then we continued on working with the Outlaws, and I was working with Big Side from Thug Life, Rest His Soul. And so I really got to do a lot of the cool stuff, man. I was hanging out with Ice Cube and Master P because I started an internship. I was an A&R coordinator intern at Priority Records before Brian Turner sold it to EMI and Capital. So when I started being an artist on my own, I had, I, I had knowledge of the whole business. You were doing everything. You had I done was, everything. I was doing promo for college radio. I interned on the Biff Compost at Power 106. It's the hottest radio station in LA. Uh, one of the hottest radio stations. And so I know the radio. I know college. I know street promo. I was hanging up Snoop Dogg posters on the poles, you know, stapling them up working for death row at a very young age. They were on Wilshire Boulevard. And like, I, I really stuck my nose into everything. I was like, I can do this, I can do that. I was faking it till I make it, you know? So, but was there one area of music that you wanted to do? Did you want to be a producer? Did you want to be the artist? Did you want to manage? What I wanted to, I, I always wanted to be an artist, but then when I started working in the studios, I fell in love with the guy that was calling the shots, that was sitting yeah. behind the board that was hitting the talk back button. He was like, hey man, do that again. You know, like I, I wanted to be in control. And then, uh, and then when I found out that the, man, the managers or the, or, or the producers were making more money than some of the artists were, you know, cause I used, to, I used to see the artists performing, let's say at the House of Blues, they're running around on stage sweating, but the guy holding the bag full of cash, that's who I wanted to be. I was like, okay, so I'm going to switch right now. I'm going to go into production. I'm going to be a manager. But then in 2006, I, I had to go on an unwanted vacation to Armenia. I had to flee over here for, for a little time. So I was in Armenia in my country, and, and there were some Armenian rappers, and it was just like a sad situation. I was like, yo, you guys, 
let me show you how it's done. And I could always have, I always had a flow. I always had a nice flow. So I started doing that and we started recording some songs and then it just popped off. Next thing you know, I was on TV and everybody was like, who's this Sako kid? And then so I start, I just started generating a huge fan base. I started generating a huge fan base. And, and when I started seeing money, I was like, yo, you know, I guess this is it. And we started pumping out songs and, and touring. Did you think you could sing? Yeah, I always knew. I, my whole family has a musical background. I mean, my dad sang at the in the Armenian Philharmonic, and my both my sisters was pianists. My mom was my dad's vocal student. That's how they really met. My my dad was teaching my mom how to sing, you know, and and that's how they they really met. But so, do so you we think had it's, a musical. Do you think you having to go to Armenia was just it's a blessing? Meaning it, the, the unexpected happened. God works in mysterious ways, right, Brett? Like, that was my destiny. And I believe this is how destiny works. It, it, it takes you to a point. It takes you to a street corner, and you have to decide whether to go left or right. The steering wheel's in your hand. But that moment, God brought you to that moment, to that point in your life where you have to make that decision. It's not all up to him, you know? And so what was – so this was 2000 what did you go? That was 2006. And what was the music scene? What was there a music scene for hip hop and rap in Armenia? There was. It wasn't. It wasn't much of the new cats. They 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 liked the old school stuff. They liked listening to Coolio and and Ice Cube and Mac Ten was a big thing. And I was like, Yo, I know these guys, and they wouldn't believe me. I was I was with Mac Ten, like we went went to the Source Awards with Ice Cube because I worked at Priority, right? I was on I was on the team. And then so I'm telling all these guys over there, and they're like, nah, you're you bullshitting. And at that time, we didn't have iPhones and Instagram to pull it up. Yep, yep. You know what I mean? We barely have MySpace. <laughs> so, <laughs> you remember the remember the cameras, the one-time Yeah, of course. Cameras? Of course. The flip phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not the flip phone. The one time the, you know, you're like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had a camera like that, and, and we were invited to, I was invited to Ronald Isley's house, and I was. I was hanging out with him, taking pictures. I was friends with um, with Mariah Carey's brother, Morgan Carey. And so we hung out with Mariah, and I had pictures with her. And, and so, and then I lost that camera at the Wynn, Wynn Casino, when it first opened. So I didn't have any proof that I was hanging out with all these cool people. So when I was telling them the stories, they thought I was bullshitting. And, but it's all good, you know? So what, we hit. So what was the song? What song was the... Was the first step in your evolution in the in, in, in as as the artist? The, I'm I'm gonna fast forward a little to to what really blew me up across the world is a song called Migana, and I uh, go, well, it's huge. It's huge. It has a ha like half a billion views because I what did year a was that? To to, that's that's like in in fourteen, I think. 2014 I did so all through from 2006 to 14 I kept put pumping out music and I always knew Brett I always knew one day I saw it I saw myself on stage I saw myself and then one day I was in Peru and I did ayahuasca and then and I saw my whole life flash in front of me and I just recently I just recently was honored in Hollywood they put my handprints at the Chinese theater and that that shit was amazing and I was just like this is this is happening and i i saw all this i also saw myself 
at the Grammys. I haven't been to the Grammys, but I saw myself at the Grammys. I don't know if I was nominated. I don't know if I was a guest. I don't know if I was winning something, but I saw myself at the Grammys. So I don't know. I really believe in, in nature. I really believe in the universe, and I really believe in manifesting. And sorry, does, my does mouth is... It, does it feel... Does Oh, I love that. Cheers. Cheers to you. Cheers my, to you. My mouth is dry. Sorry. There you go. Hold on, I'll, I'll do a toast with you, all right? I got my Lux cup, you got your gold going. Yes, yes. Cheers to you, cheers, cheers. to you. Cheers. I wanna, cheer, I, wanna, I wanna give a toast to all our fans too, yours and mine, and um, um, just wish everybody a happy day, positive vibes, sending out, and I just, I just wish health upon everybody. I, I only wish health upon everybody because the rest of the shit we could buy in the store. Yeah, yeah. Hell, I feel you. So, so, so how, how good does it feel, the fact that in Armenia, if you go back, when you go back, you're the name. Everybody knows you. Um, fame never really hit me. Like, it didn't go to my head. I'm, I'm still, it doesn't matter who it is. It could be my gardener. It could be uh, a waiter. I'm, I'm, I'm the same with everybody. I don't think, like, I'm above anyone. I take my career as a job. I could have been a nurse or I could have been a fireman. You know what I mean? I take my I take my career as a job. I have a duty to fulfill to my fans. I'm never above anybody, but, but when I go, it's very overwhelming. When people treat me like I'm Michael Jackson and I get like a 12 car with a police escort and shit, it's wild. I mean, it's just overwhelming. And I'm like, but don't you, and I'm gonna use, I'm gonna use Russ as an example. Russ told me a story when he got started. He he he'd put his music on SoundCloud, and he would see where the fans were, and yeah. he'd notice that he had fans in Washington, the state of Washington. He's like, yeah. "What the fuck do I have fans in the state of Washington?" Yeah. But he then went there and yeah. performed and built up that fan base, and then he found out that he had fans in the Middle East. So he started traveling the Middle East because they think he's Middle Eastern. And he had yeah. fans there, and he kept supporting wherever his fans were. He kept supporting, but to me, it gives me it gives me the feeling that you almost did the same thing in the sense of you're building around your base. No, I did, I did, yeah. And I was, I was, uh, Russ was checking SoundCloud. I was checking um, Shazam. Yep, I was seeing the map of of where people are. Like, hey, what song is this? And they're checking on their phones, right? So I was telling my my booking manager, like, yo, find a club in this city, in this country. We got to hit India. We got to hit New Delhi because I'm getting like 20,000, 30,000 people, you know, from New Delhi checking, checking me out. And that's how it was. It was wild. My latest concert was in Armenia like about last month. And I had 50,000 people there. And a week later, I was in Toronto with 30,000 people. Like, it's insane. It's insane. And I feel like, I feel like I'm in control when I'm on stage because you tell people, put your hands up. Yeah. Thousands of people put yeah. their hands up. You tell yeah. people to scream. They're in your control. And it's like, it's, it feels like for for a second, I don't want to use his name, but it's like a godly feeling. You know? No, like I'm you're... sure. It's 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 like you've got a magic wand and you can, you, you're control. To me, I wrote a paper when I was in, high, in, in, in uh, college uh, on the craps table and holding dice. Yeah. And the idea that everyone's waiting for you and if they're rooting for you. But it's a little feeling, that little feeling of everyone either they're on your they're on your team or they're not, you know, and they're yeah. hoping for the best. Yeah. So what what I'm jumping ahead, but 
uh, using when did when did Cake come out with Offset? Cake came out on May twentieth. It came out with Offset, and it's been doing great. Um, my whole team is is we're we're really uh, proud of whatever whatever's happening. It's n it's uh, it's it's in the top fifty in U.S. radio. Um, BET Jams is playing it. I'm, for the first time in my life, I'm on MTV. So how did it happen? Okay, so I'm going to tell you how it happened. And you, you're kind of going to know everybody because everybody's in, in, a, in a tight circle, right? The, the industry looks big to people that are not in it, but it's a very tight circle where everybody knows each other. So my boy Alex, which is one of the owners of the Cookies brand, with burner and stuff, yep. they're they're part of that team, right? So um, I saw Alex was was um, with Offset, and I was like, "Yeah, I really want to do a song with him." And Alex put it together. So we went in the studio, he put it together, and me and Offset we did the song. I I let him hear it, he loved it. Whatever we did the song, we shot the video, and while we were recording, while we were recording in the studio. Uh, Ozuna was in the next studio, and I really wanted to do a Latin song. So me and Ozuna met each other. We chopped it up, and we're like, yo, this is the next single. We're going to do something. And I played him one of the songs that I had. He loved it. So hopefully that, that's the third but, single. I'm... Does, this is the part that I want to focus on is, you know, as much as I'm sure you're getting tremendous value from Offset, to me, Offset is getting tremendous value from you back in Armenia and all these other places where you're huge because now he's supporting them. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And really Armenians, Armenians and, and Russians and countries around Armenia, like Iran and Georgia that really listen to me and I have a huge fan base there. They really didn't know who Offset was. No, of course not. They really didn't know. I had to break it down to them. I was like, yo, you know, Cardi B. Do you know Migos? And then <laughs> yeah. I started playing the Walk It Like I Talk It. And they're like, yeah, yeah, we heard this song. I'm like, okay, this is the guy. He's really huge and, you know, this and that. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's really huge. But isn't is this where you, it, to me, this is where I'd be saying to Offset, go freaking to Armenia right now. Go now. Go now. And, and, and I leverage wish, that. I wish they could think like you and me. But, like, you know, they don't. You know, the whole... The whole offset, and I have a lot of other friends that that are from um, that they're from they're from Atlanta, right? I don't know. They don't think like us, man. I wish they did. Because I I looked at it and I love the song, but I look at it and like, oh my god, this is where and because we're we're doing a lot of stuff in Africa, and we want to always hook up African artists with U.S. artists, French, uh, UK, yeah. because to me that the, the U.S. artists can benefit so much more if they just spend some time there because you're not a, you're not an artist you're a celebrity and that's the yeah. difference that's a huge yeah. difference it so so i i want to focus back on the struggle side so what, what were what for you what you know because the, the, to most people who know you is just i've been successful forever that's not the case you know, it's your example of being 14 and waiting outside for two weeks to get into the studio. What are the examples that, that other people can take away from your struggle? Well, Brett, I've had, I've had nights where I was hungry and I didn't have money and we was in the studio and I was hoping like somebody would order food so I could eat with them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I'm, that's, that's the stuff that keeps me humble. Hold on one second. George, give me my bag real quick. 
I'm gonna show you something. I'm gonna show you something. This is where's my Louis bag? It's inside. Give me one second. I'm gonna yeah, 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 yeah. I need to show you something. Everybody on my team, if you're follow, listen, watch. Okay. Check out Sako, Super Sako. Check them out. I'm gonna show you something. I just see something really interesting. This is my wallet, right? And in my wallet, I carry something. I carry this with me. Oh, all the I love time. it. What is it? What is it? What is it? And whenever life gets surreal and I'm in a zone and I kind of figure out that I'm, I'm about to lose myself. I just take this out and it's the food stamp my mom used to feed me with that oh. she used to get from the government. And we used to get 500 of these a month and that's all we had to eat off. That's what we had to go to the market with. So right now you got all this jewelry, you got paddocks on the wrist and this and that, but this is, this is what grounds me. How long you been holding that? I've been holding this for a long time. I've had it for a long time. I had it in a memory box. And, and about four, four years ago, I took it out and I always wanted to carry it with me. When, when, when were your parents the most, when did they realize, oh shit, he really is doing it? When we were at Sizzler one day and somebody wanted to take a picture with me. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Sister was like our mastro. Sister was like the five star. You know what I mean? When we was here, we're, we're immigrants. You know, we're immigrants from Armenia. And so on Sundays, we used to be at Sister. And then when people started stopping me asking for pictures, my parents were like, okay. Yeah, it's going down. Who, who, give me three people that shout out three people that have been in the camp since, since early on for you. Who who support uh, who've done something who supported you in some way that made a difference? My friend Sam Hayes always had my back with whatever I needed to do. If I didn't have money, he would front me money. My producer MG, he, he, who's done all my songs, he's like the he's like the forty to Drake, you know. My producer MG and my manager Wolf been down with me like through thick and thin. What was if you named one break? What would it have been? Like the. The one thing that, that kind of made the difference. Unexpected. That was that, that, was that song, Megan, how it all blew up. I, I Did you know it was going to be successful? No, I had no idea. The song. Did you think released. it was a good song? I, I knew it was a good song, but I didn't. I was banking on another, another song. I was spending money promoting another song on the album. And then so we had put everything on YouTube. And then a year later, I started seeing like my 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 views jumped from like 2 million views to like 20 million views in a matter of a week and i was like yo what's going on and then it started jumping up to 50 million views this and is I, a year later this is a year later of after i released the song people caught on to it late i've never heard of that people caught on to it late so and and have you heard of the armenian genocide in 1915 the ottoman empire did an ethnic cleansing of, our, of the Armenian people, right? And so Turkey and like Azerbaijan are like our arch enemies. Like it's like the, 
it's like the uh sure palestine and you know it's the, so it's so i got an email from a turkish radio station yo we really we really love this song can you send us a high quality wave format and so i emailed them You're on mute. Can't hear. Not yet. Not yet. Oh, there we go. There we go. So you emailed him the song? Okay. I emailed them the song and then they started playing it on the radio. And then that's when I saw like 50 million views, 60 million views. And I'm like, yo, is somebody messing with me? Like, I don't know what's going on. And then I'm looking at Instagram and my followings like up to the roof and, and people are writing to me. People are offering me like shows like, hey, come perform here, come perform there. And it just it just happened all, all of a sudden. And I didn't I didn't I didn't know what's going on. What did you learn from that? What did you learn from the song or from whatever you did? What did you take away from it? I learned that everything can happen um, unexpectedly and you can't really, no, nobody's there to sit and say, hey, this is going to be a hit or this, you know what I mean? It's, it's really not because everything you think of, like, doesn't happen. I've been around a lot of conversations at the labels when I used to work at the label. They used to come and say, yeah, this is going to be this much. This is going to sell 3 million copies. This is... It doesn't. It, fans, 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 the people that are watching and listening, they, they decide what's a hit. Not us, not the record company guys, not the VPs, not the A&Rs. Not the fans decide. You could spend X amount of dollars trying to blow up the song, but if people aren't going to really If they don't, it, yep. Your two and a half million followers, what do they all have in common, you think? Man, they're so different. They're so diverse. Like, it's from different countries, you know what I mean? But why you? What do they see in you? Because I do international stuff. Every song you listen to is an artist from another country. That's when you were talking about, like, doing stuff in Africa. And I really want to do, that's my next thing. I love Afrobeats. I love Afrobeats. Daju and all the guys, you know, Soul King. And I, I, I love that flavor. And I really want to do it. I really want to do a... a a song with with an African artist because I really love that music and I think like uh, all that rhythmic thing is originated from Africa. Sure, you know? all everything, every, all the rhythms, all the vibe, all the dances. You know, what was there? So, but I'm curious on that. When did you realize like this idea of doing different countries, different artists in different countries? When did that kick in? Okay, so. When I when I was reading about you know Snoop's life and how he loves the uh, the slave barcades or Chicago all those old bands and Vandross is this that because his mama used to listen to right well my parents listened to international stuff they were, yeah. one day they were listening to Joe Dassin to Elvis to I don't know Fausto Papetti on the on the on the thing and we used to listen to all different types of artists so I grew up with that in my bloodstream it's in my blood right. And then so when I was, when I had the chance to do my own music, I wanted to do all that stuff, you know? I didn't want to, I didn't want to sample the dramatics. I wanted to sample something from like this artist that was in Portugal, you know what I mean? Like that was, the, that was what I, so when I started doing my music, I started doing all international. One song was this Brazilian artist. 
One song was a Latin artist. One song was a artist from Iran. One song was an artist from Lebanon. And it, it just, I had a diverse thing. That's how I created all this fan base from different countries. And you show the love right back because you're going there, you're visiting there, you're performing there. Yes. It never goes away. It yes. never goes away. Yes. I went, I performed in Iran too. Can you imagine? Amazing. I, I performed in Iran and my pass was, you know how you say people have a ghetto pass or whatever, right? My pass was, I also have an Armenian passport. So I can travel to Iran from Armenia. So I went and I did a show over there and it was insane. <laughs> it was insane. What's next? What's next is, is I, I just want to continue this positive energy and I want to I wanna give the fans more of what I got. I want to do a song. I want to do this Latin song with Ozuna or, or just anybody. I don't know. I don't know yet. And I, w I really want to do a song with Rick Ross. And I was going to ask you. Oh, we'll make that happen. We'll make I, that happen. I have the song ready. I got my I, I'll hit Ross course. after this. Ross Every believes in... And, and that's why I love Ross and artists like him and like yourself is you get it. You get the idea of building your, your, your awareness in other markets and other countries. And if you can build your fan base, it's a great thing. It's a great thing for the fans and it's a great thing for you personally. I've been um, following Ross. If he, goes, if he goes into his DM stream and looks up my name, watch what date I started writing to him. I haven't gotten a response. As that, Ross says, okay. too easy. Matter. We'll get it done. <laughs> We'll get it done. We'll get it done. <laughs> Shout out to Ross, the boss. Sago, I, I, I love talking to you. You're an inspiration. I love what you've built. I love the, the, the self-made 14-year-old kid who's waiting outside the studio for two weeks saying, let me in. I'm not leaving until you let me in. Um, I love the, 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 uh, the, the, your mom's coupon, you know, showing the stamps, you know, because you're, you're holding on to your past and saying, this is special. Uh, I love the, 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 uh, uh, what restaurant was it? Sizzler. Sizzler. Can't beat that. Sizzler. You can't beat that. You got to remember that shit. That six ninety nine salad bar. And, and now you can sell out 50,000, <laughs> you know, people in Armenia. It's awesome. It's just awesome. If it's, it's, it's beyond self-made. It's, uh, I love it. It's, I need this shit because it's motivating. I think your fans will love it because it's, it, it's inspiring for those that next generation who wants to follow in your footsteps. Um, anything I could possibly do, but I'm going to follow up with Ross and I'll make something happen, I promise. Thank you. I want to thank you also, Sovereign Brands and Bel Air, and, and just, just you as, 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 a, as, a, as a company, you as an idea, as self-made. Uh, I want to thank you guys because no other CEO that I know of of any company wants to do this and really take take the artist to the next level. I really appreciate you guys uh, giving me a chance to be a part of your brand. Oh, I love it. And I really, really appreciate it. And, and thank you so much. And, and you, you are the culture, man. People oh, like I, I, it's, a, it's a tremendous compliment. I'm not good at taking compliments, but it's a tremendous compliment. And I thank you. And uh, it, like everything in life, you can't fake shit. So you're doing it because you love it. If you can't, if, if you, you can't really fake think it. about it, if you really think about it, hip hop has been supporting all this other brands, but the brand CEO never Correct. comes and says, "Hey, look, 
we got this new guy and he's really doing it and we want to give him his blessings. We want to give him his flowers while he's here. You know what I mean? We've been supporting all these other, I don't want to name names, but yep. all these companies, all these things, yep. popping bottles or wearing their yep. watches, but nobody sits down like you have right now with a, with a little guy like me and, and that's doing this, you know? And I, me and I'm sure all the other artists are are saying through my words uh, we really appreciate you no Thank it's you it's it's uh it feels great it's the right thing you got to run at people you don't run away you run at everybody who supports you got to run right at them you got to run that. right at them Cheers taco everybody thank you kill it anything i can do please ask and uh if, if you want any relationships in africa we got them all put that ross yeah. record together done done We'll make it happen. All right? Thank you, Brett. Thank Peace you, everybody. Love. Thank you. Bye.